You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's the podcast. Hey, what's, what's going on? We interrupt this broadcast to bring you... The Britflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast 2016. Welcome to another Britflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast. Today we're going Balearic. Um, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, please, to let us know who's on the podcast this time? Yeah, uh, my name's Andy Edwards, and I wrote and directed a film called Ibiza Undead. And when can people see that at Frightfest? It's on Friday at 6.20, and it's the world premiere. Wow. How excited are you? Um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's the first first time, really, that... Um, an, an audience who weren't involved in making the film is going to see it. So wow, see what happens, really. And so. and um, your your poacher term gamekeeper, as I learned in the preamble before we started recording. So you're a you're a, a fright a regular fright fest punter that's now yes. going that's now going there this year as a filmmaker. Yes, it was um, always I think the hope that um, I could get this film into fright fest. Um, so for it to be in accepted and to be the premiere as well, that's, mm. that's perfect. That was always what I was, uh, you know, I had my fingers crossed for. Because, yeah, it's something that I do go to as a punter, and I know that's where, if anybody's going to appreciate it, it will be the Fright Fest crowd. Indeed. So do you want to give uh, people a brief synopsis as to what Ibiza Undead's about? Um, well, I, I like to think Ibiza Undead kind of does what it says on the tin. Okay. Really. It's a, a Ron Seal film. Um, so it's, um, we're describing it as uh, the in-betweeners meet Shaun of the Dead. Um, so it's about a group of uh, young guys and girls from England who go on their first holiday abroad. And so you've got the shena- normal shenanigans of uh, trying to get drunk and trying to have sex with each other. Um, and then... Uh, zombies enter the uh, the scene 
mm-hmm. um, because the world that we're living in is seen in the film has seen a, a zombie outbreak, but not a zombie apocalypse. It was you know something akin to something like bird flu, um, where you know somebody in some other country got it and it never really reached England that much, um, and people aren't even sure whether zombies even did exist or whether it was uh, scaremongering or, or such like. Um, and okay, the, so like, like almost like the myth of the zombie as opposed I, to the... Yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, they, you know, it was, you know, scare stories in the papers like bird flu or Ebola virus or that kind of thing that everybody gets worked up on. Hmm. But, you know, if you live in a small town in England, probably wouldn't interfere with your your day-to-day life. So so they, they know it's a world in which zombies can exist, but uh, their characters have never seen one until they go to Ibiza and there's a... Night, okay. As uh, a nightclub run by a character called Carl, who's played by Matt King um, from Peep Show, and he runs his nightclub where he has zombies as the attraction. Um, so he has these uh, zombie podium dancers chained up. <laughs> so come uh, on. Um, from from a writing point of view, then, what 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 compelled you to write this particular story? <clears throat> well, it started off. Um, I wrote and directed a series of short films mm. called House Party of the Dead. Yeah. Um, for, the first one was, you know, shot in an afternoon in my flat. Right. Um, with uh, tomato ketchup for blood, that, sort of, that kind of thing. Got you. Uh, just, just messing around with a chemical, really. Then it progressed, and we did by part six. We had about fifty zombie extras, <laughs> uh, and, the, and the film, and, you know, proper prosthetics. And the film was about twenty minutes long, um, and so having done that, I decided right next stage, no more shorts would be the full feature. And as I knew lots of people who were into zombies and people who like dressing up as zombies, there's a whole zombie community. I thought, well stick to what I know and do this film. It was going to be called House Party of the Dead, the movie, originally. Mm. Uh, and then I was chatting with um, one of the actors, uh, a guy called Brad Moore, who is in House Party 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. And, um, we came up with this idea of where would the ultimate house party be? Well, obviously, the ultimate party island. Mm. And so the idea was that we'd have these characters, you know, Traditional zombie style, trapped in a house, surrounded by the undead. But instead of a house in England, why not make it a villa in Ibiza? Now, just uh, just yeah, just, went from there. From the, for the layperson listening in, who who is this zombie community then? Who's in that? Um, well, it's something that I didn't necessarily knew uh, existed, but right. uh, when I started. Um, making these zombie shorts, you know, I'd put, you know, adverts on Facebook or wherever saying, does anyone want to come and be a zombie? And, you know, lots of people who would just thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. But there are people who essentially are either professional or at least part-time zombies. And (laughs) they, they dress up and they go to events and sometimes it's for fun. It's just, you know, the same way people might do horror, um, historical reenactments or something. 
like that or cosplay, they, they, at the weekend they're zombies. And some of them just do it as a hobby, some of them um, do it uh, for films, some of them make money out of it, hiring themselves out for launches, events. Um, and, you know, all these zombies, they all know each other, and you get a bunch of them together, and they'll talk about which film they're in, or... And, yeah, they... And they, they when you're shooting no-budget shorts in advantage, because they, they'll bring their own prosthetics and their own contact lenses, so... Okay, okay, so these are people that sort of almost like... Like a man with a fancy beard can, can be... A, can, will, will put themselves in productions because a beard's expensive to recreate. These yeah. people come like, like ready-made zombies. Yeah, yeah, they'll come. They'll turn up to your set, and you, yeah, you kind of won't have to, and you won't have to teach them how to move or anything. And so, yeah, we've got a few in uh, in our film, and they've got credits um, in uh, various zombie films, and they did various TV shows. Um, we've actually got um, a zombie. Who, who's one of the zombies in the nightclub, and he's a featured zombie in Shaun of the Dead. Okay. If you remember, there's a, a one-armed groom zombie who in, invades the flat in uh, Shaun of the Dead. He's, he's in our film. Okay, okay. So, so celebrity zombies. This celebrity, is, this yeah, we've is, got celebrity zombies, yeah. This is, this is an amazing revelation to me. Yeah. I'm, uh, now, you say, you say you've made six House of the Dead, House Parties of the Dead, did you yeah. say, short films, and, and you've made the one feature, it'd be through undead so what what given well, well let's think now um george romero's night of the living dead was what 69 1969 ish yes yes give or take um what do you think given you've now made your first feature film as a zombie flick what is the enduring appeal of the zombie feature well i think they're quite a um malleable and blank presence as as a monster, right? Um, so they can stand for various things. I mean, obviously, say we were just talking in in my film, it's kind of they referenced in the same way that you know something like the Ebola virus or an epidemic an epidemic would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in the past, they've come to they can represent the fear of communism or the fear of death or yeah, they can represent a lot of things, um, and and so and you know, from a filmmaking point of view, they're quite cheap to make. So <laughs> I think that's part of the appeal for filmmakers. But I think for audiences, they can they can represent so many different fears, mm-hmm. um, so that they can move with the times. They could be you could make them about terrorism now or. You know, xenophobia or whatever it is uh, and you can still have quite different approaches you've got the walking dead for example which is massively popular um which is quite a you know, grim survivalist take and then you know you can do yeah you know, Shaun of the dead you, can, you know tonally 100 percent different but still containing some elements the same <laughs> but like the thing still contains not still contains zombies. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> still contains zombies. But yeah, you can yeah, there are zombie romantic comedies, there are zombie, you know, grim survivalist zombies. Yeah, They're, yeah, one from last year. Flexible monster. Indeed, no, one from last year I enjoyed. Was it last year? Night of the Living Dead? Was last year, wasn't it? 
Well, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that was a comedy one. And have you got um, Life After Beth, which was kind of a... Like you say, they used the zombie format, and that was a film about grief, really. You yes, you, yeah, you can... Yeah, the zombie can stand for anything. It's, um... And, uh... Without going, you know, too... Too in-depth, I mean, you know, some people do, but the zombies are kind of... They're the, the proletariat. The vampires are the aristocracy. <laughs> And the, the zombies are the working man. They're the working man's monster. But also, the zombies themselves don't... You don't have to have, like, a big boss, do you not? They just are a mass of evil in terms of the fact that they act like a great white shark, don't they? They just kill because that's their motivation. They don't They don't actually have a motivation that's malicious. Yeah, they just... They do, just yeah, they just do what they have to do. They're like poison ivy growing up a building. They're just yeah, going to happen. And you... And if you keep with the slow-moving zombies, which I have in, in mind, you get the situation where one zombie on its own is actually not that scary because it's slow, and as long as you're quicker than it, you're fine. Mm. It's when they come in numbers or, you know, you're incapacitated or in some way. So when our characters first encounter the zombies, they, they're not scared because they're... There's only a few zombies, and they're they're chained up and they're sedated. So you know what's what's the danger? So let me get this right then. In, in your film, you're you're talking about a world in which we know zombies probably exist, but the the virus that created them has kind of, for want of a better expression, avoided the first world. Yes. Would that be a way of seeing it? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Yes. So so, yeah. so your your nightclub owner, the guy from Peep Show. He has got himself some. So in a way, it's like a mini Jurassic Park, isn't it? It's like... It, it is a bit... It is... There's a kind of vibe of that, of kind of, yeah, Jurassic Park sort of thing that, yeah, he thinks he can uh, control these these things, which are obviously uncontrollable, and then, yeah, uses them as an attraction to lure people to his club. So when you, when, when you were moving from short film to feature film... In the writing stakes, what what was what for you was the sort of hardest challenge to resolve in terms of storytelling? Because obviously, a feature film as a story is a much bigger undertaking than a short film. Oh yeah, um, it's uh, it's massively different um, from, <laughs> from writing a short film. Um, I mean, yeah, from it's filling in that tricky middle bit. You'll always know how it's something starts and how something ends. And when you're doing a short film, that's all you really need. Mm. It's uh, figuring out what all that happens in the middle. You know what happens at the end. You know what happens at the start. How do you get all these characters from A to B in the most entertaining way possible? The 65 minutes in the middle. Yes, that's, that's the tricky bit. <laughs> and that's where, that's where you've obviously got to keep... Keep the audience's attention as well. For yeah, an hour yeah. and a half was quite a long time. So, from your point of view, then, what was the what was the biggest challenge in in in, in sort of manipulating the action during Act Two to, to make it interesting? What was the hardest bit to resolve for you? With kind of with, if you take the world you've created, which is this idea of the you know, like you say, where would be the the hot spot for the biggest house party? Ibiza makes a lot of sense. So, in terms of that, stuff, what, what, what were the challenges then for you? Was it Rules of the Zombies? Was it? Um, I think with all horror movies, because um, I've written other scripts about other other monsters, the, yeah. the the trick is making the characters do daft things 
um, but without making them appear daft to the audience as such, so that they're still believable. So I mean, they're, true, they're, they're yeah. true. They're true rather than plotted. Yeah, so the, the audience, they might be going, that's a stupid decision, and shouting at the screen, but you believe that the character would really do this, because mm. obviously many horror scenarios would be easily fixed if people didn't leave their house, or they left the haunted place, or they called the police straight away, or mm-hmm. they didn't split up. All of these things happen in horror movies. And I think the skill is, as a writer, trying to make it organic that all your characters split up, for example. Mm. Uh, and you can believe that they do this rather than have a bunch of people in a house and they're threatened, and then for no reason have them go, well, let's split up. So that, that, for me, I think is the big challenge, you know, um, how to make the horror co- come out nat- seemingly naturally uh, and how to make the characters' decisions believable, you know, why don't they all just go home? You know, you constantly, yeah, why don't they just call the police? You've got constantly got to figure out these reasons why they don't do these things. It's always funny, isn't it, in the in the kind of development of stuff, how you can lock yourself into what you think of as your logic and then somebody else comes in from the cold and has a look at what you've done and goes and does exactly what you just said, going, but why don't they just go why don't they just go in the other room? Or if there's never been anyone in this house for forty years, why is the house clean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and, and you know, you you need a certain amount of disbelief, otherwise yeah. there would be no horror movies. Should we go mm. to this cabin in the woods? No. Let's go to Sands Park. Simply you you it's it's not a movie. Um, so you're saying it's, 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 it's dramatising that conceit, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, it's the skill with which you make your characters do something stupid that unleashes the monster. Mm. It's always better, I feel, than when the monster's just there. When the characters do things that c- cause the horror to come to come upon them. Mm. Well, look, I mean, I, I, I like you know the from the sounds of yours. You've, I was just trying to, you know the, the, thinking of the the horror canon, particularly the the zombie um, subgenre. Is this about you know the challenge always is about doing something new and interesting and that idea of the the first world seeing zombies as something to play with is is an interesting take um, in terms of that. So how much how much are you play how much are you giving us horror and how much are you giving us laughs and and then I guess on top of that how much are you giving us gore with uh, um, I mean it's a it's a difficult balance and everybody mm. kind of has a different view on on how well you do it. I mean, all I can say is that, you know, and it, and it also depends upon the viewer. Yeah. Um, most most people, you know, you had a cast and crew screening um, recently and, you know, pretty much everybody was, you know, laughing and generally in the right places. Yeah. But one guy came out afterwards and went, that was really powerful. I had to look away. Um, so if people who aren't used to horror... Mm. Um, then maybe the horror outweighs the comedy. But for people, yeah, I mean, the Fright Fest audience, you can show them the most horrific thing you've ever seen and they'll cheer and <laughs> clap. Um, so that's a, um, another audience entirely. But all, all I wanted to do was do my best to make the horror bits and the gore bits horrific and gory mm. and make the comedy bits as funny as I could um, because what you don't want to do 
is to say, I'm making a comedy horror, and then you water down the elements, and you go, well, I don't want to put too much gore in it, because it'll, or too many laughs, because they won't be scared. I don't think you can go that way. I think you have to have your laughs as big as you can, and your gore moments as big as you can. Yeah, no, interesting you say that, because I had um, Paul Davis on, who's, who's done the, uh, the making of... American Wolf in London documentary and he's launching his book at Frightfest which is a kind of extended version of what he was able to glean for the documentary and he talked about that fascinating period where nobody would buy American Wolf in London screenplay and it was that classic and it, obviously this is before the kind of, the comedy horrors we know it today, we obviously had Abbott Costello and things like that doing all kinds of horrors with comedy but Basically, the comment he got was, and it's weird to think of this, you know, you know, you think of John Landis having done the Blues Brothers and whatever, and he's being told it's it's got too much scary and too much comedy. It needs to be one or the other. And you kind of like that would have spoiled American Whale of London so much if they'd have dialed down one of those two elements. Totally, and yeah, I now I can still believe in it. And you know, I, the conversations I had when trying to get this film made, mm. and again, yeah, people. It was, you know, had conversations with various people to try and get the money and the funding for it. And yeah, yeah. It, some people are like, well, it seems really scary here and then really just not serious here. And as, as if one negates the other. When I think if you've just seen something horrific, you really want a big laugh and <laughs> vice versa. So I think that my opinion on it, which I think it's the same as John Landis's, which is hopefully means I'm in good company, is, yeah, you make the scary bits as scary as you can and the funny bits as funny as you can, and and that that's the best that you can do, rather than try and water both things down. Um, when you when you was going... F- I mean, I'll hold that I'll, I'll question off for a second, but it, given you did the short films, what lessons learned from the short films did you find, you know, invaluable while you were doing the feature film? Um, yeah, every... Every day on set that you that you can spend on set is a learning process, um, especially from you know a director's point of view because you're working with actors um, and working out you know which bits of your script work and which don't. And also because I kept it in the genre, mm. I learned various things about prosthetics um, and about visual effects. Um, which I was able to carry onto the onto the feature, so I wasn't I wasn't coming at zombies as, as a first timer. I mm. you know kind of had some ideas of what worked and what didn't work, um, and what we could show and couldn't show on our budget. So could, could, just as, a, as an example, then, could you what what did you learn from those short films about what you can't get away with when you're doing zombies, as it were? What could what is it not worth trying to show that you that you that you kind of learned from the short films? Um, trying to think now. Um, you you you've got to have numbers. Is I think something that when we were talking about one zombie on its own isn't that scary. Yeah. Um, and lots of zombies are. Yeah. Um, so there are scenes with one zombie in our film, and some scenes with lots. So, but if you want to have that um, effect of you know that these zombies are bad, mm. these characters can't get away, then, yeah, numbers are important. Mm. Uh, and, from, and from a practical point of view, um, 
when you do have big numbers of zombies, um, you, you can't necessarily see their zombie makeup, so don't spend time and effort on the guys at the back as such. <laughs> um, try and... So what we, we had was a, cup, a few hero zombies as such, so lead zombies that get a lot of close-up screen time, mm-hmm. um, and we you know, went to town with prosthetics on them. Um, uh, we had a great team of makeup artists and um, a guy called Dan Martin, who does a lot of the uh, prosthetics work for Ben Wheatley. He, Dan, Dan's going to be on a future show. I'm speaking to him it, next, next Monday. You, you can, Dan, Dan is a genius. And if you'd want to talk about horror and prosthetics, you'd better make it a long podcast because <laughs> he, he, he could talk for weeks about visual effects. He's a genius. But yeah, so we got him to do, um, the few zombies that you see. And then the idea is that that will then sell your horde once you've done your, your, your shot. I see. I see. So, so from your, I mean, is it, is it, is it too much of a spoiler to give us the rules of your zombies? Because um, that's always, no, that's always I, a, a kind of a thing that's interesting about, you know, the difference between films and is similar between films. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, we had to think of the rules um, be- before before we shot. So uh, these are slow-moving um, Romero-type zombies. Yeah. Um, it's an infection uh, that's passed on by um, biting um, and also through having sex which is a key plot point. Okay. Um, so that kind of also ties in a bit with the Brits board having unprotected sex um, kind of Ibiza angle, that that's a way that you can catch the zombie virus. <laughs> um, you uh, the worst STD is to become a zombie. Well, well, yes. That's, yeah. <laughs> Being a zombie is a, an STD in Ibiza. And <laughs> because obviously we were trying to think of, you know, ways that we could make these, you know, obviously recognisable, but but also have, you know, some traits that we, we could only do in Ibiza. So yeah. you've, you've got that, uh, the sexual contact one. Um, and also... Um, the fact that in the nightclub um, they're fed MDMA to keep them calm. Oh, good rule. So MDMA keeps them calm. Alcohol, however, makes them angry. That's pretty much humans, isn't it, though? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But, yes, more more so with zombies. So, yes, to stop them biting, yeah. So they're they're loved up almost at the start of the film. I like that. Because they've been pumped full of MDMA. That's quite a surreal notion. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> a, a loved up zombie. I like it. I like your thinking. So then, um, this is this is your world premiere, did you say? Yep, world premiere. First time anybody apart from cast and crew would have seen it. That is an amazing achievement. Congratulations on that. And um, top of the cap if you can see me now. Um, mm-hmm. So when you're going to be sat there with the audience for the first time at Fright Fest, at that point, let's remind people when they can see the Beatles Undead. Um, it's six twenty on the Friday. Cool. It's on Discovery Screen 1, I think. Cool. All right, then. So, without giving any spoilers, I suppose, is there any particular aspect or event that you're particularly excited to see with an audience? Um, I think it's mainly just hope. hopefully the um, 
enjoyability of the film transfers across to the audience. Um, my kind of number one rule for making this film was that it should never be dull. Um, it's a zombie film in Ibiza. That should never be dull. Um, and so, yeah, it's quite fast-moving. Lots of things happen in it. Um, and, you know, it was a... It was a hard shoot, but it was a fun shoot, and I just hope that that kind of general atmosphere comes across. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, there's lots of little jokes in there, and obviously you hope that people will laugh. Um, so, yeah, I just hope that people have a good time. Um, I doubt it's going to be up for any Oscars because it's a zombie film set in Ibiza, but I hope that it you know, does what it says on the tin, and then, then a bit more, I think as well we tried to pack everything into it so it's got all the elements that you'd expect from that there's also what i hope people will get out of it there's some nice character moments as well and some characters that they can relate to fantastic fantastic well look thank you very much for uh, giving us your time on the breakfast podcast no worries and uh congratulations on your feature film and look forward to uh Seeing your post world premiere, where you can uh, you can you can bask in that glory. Well, let's hope so. I hope it's not like a can screening where we booze. Well, I mean, <laughs> from what you've told from what you've told me, if there and if there is a zombie community out there, they're more than likely going to be at your film. And it sounds to me like you've 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 added some little twists within the context of where you've set it and. Just adding, you know, it's it's always hard with a, with a kind of subgenre like the zombie to bring something new, and it sounds to me like you've had a good think about that and brought brought things that, that I've not heard of before, and uh, or at least I've heard of it, but it makes sense to put it in your film, yes. your idea. So it's yeah. like it's yeah, nice. it's, a, it's a it's a melding of the two words, uh, the two worlds of Ibiza and zombies, uh, <laughs> as well as obviously um, zombie fans. We're hoping that you know. Fans of Ibiza will come and watch the film as well because you know, apart from I think there's Kevin and Perry go large, and uh, it's all gone Pete Tong. But yeah. uh, I think the Ibiza film genre is quite a small one, so hopefully uh, people will be excited to see <laughs> it from, from that point of view as well. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be I'll have to do a uh, Ibiza top ten films on the Britflix website very soon. As yeah, the, as the, um, as, there's, there's not that many. As the niche gets accrued. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, look, have a great time, and hopefully I get a chance to uh, meet you and shake hands. Definitely. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes. Hey? What's, what's going on? If you don't already subscribe to Britflix... Just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we release it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to stream from on the website. This has been a Britflix Flightfest Preview Podcast 2016.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 